0: I'm going to start today with a quick poll, show of hands poll. Who here, no matter the circumstances or occasion, has to be prepared at any cost? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Who here does maybe a moderate amount of preparation? Not extreme, but you like to be prepared. Yeah. Okay. Who here prefers to just always wing it? (laughs) I'm loving this. Well, I'm someone who likes to be well-prepared. It just plain it makes me feel safer. Now, I can't prepare for everything like both of my musicians coming down sick today, in case you are wondering what that's about, but I like to be able to anticipate what I need and to make sure I have it. This is one of the reasons that I really hate packing. It stresses me out, because I feel like I need to pack all the things because I can imagine all the things happening, and this is why I have an enormous suitcase then replaced, I am that person who's gone for three days and travels with an enormous suitcase and may or may not get teased about it mercilessly. Well, if I know where and why I'm going on a trip, I have a pretty good sense of the range of things I need to pack, right? But if Eric were to come to me today and surprise me and say, hey, this afternoon, we're going to fly somewhere with the whole family and I'm not going to tell you where. He knows better than to do that, right? (laughs) But that would be a whole other thing. When you're uncertain where you're going, it's hard to prepare. I think we've all learned this uh, uncertainty during COVID, haven't we? We make our plans, COVID comes along, we have to change our plans. It is mentally exhausting, isn't it? All the pivoting. How do we prepare when we don't know what to expect? Especially when you get the sense that maybe what you're preparing for will be hard, but you don't know how hard. Well, the disciples are in this position in our passage from John 14. Jesus has been saying, I'm going, take up your cross and follow me, I'm leaving. One of you is gonna betray me, you'll all leave me, I'm going. They know something is going to happen, but they don't yet know what. And given how many times Jesus tells them, don't be afraid, I think they're probably afraid and anxious. They know they're facing something big, something hard, but they don't know how hard. I think that describes us pretty well, too. We have a sense that as the season of this investigation soon comes to an end, something else is coming, but we don't know what. We don't know what. How can we prepare for something so uncertain? Well, Jesus gives his disciples good news don't worry, I'm packing you a suitcase filled with the Holy Spirit, so to speak. And the Holy Spirit will take care of you. I want us to know today that we too have that suitcase, so to speak. We're looking ahead to Pentecost in a couple weeks. We're looking at this uncertain season that is to come very soon. And as we look at those things, I want to point our attention today toward three gifts we can expect the Holy Spirit to give us along the way. Three gifts that we can trust will be with us in this season, even as we don't know what it's going to be like. So first, we can expect the Holy Spirit to give to us the gift of truth. This section from John that we have in our lectionary today includes talking about the Holy Spirit as the one who teaches us all things and reminds us of the words of Jesus. Just a few verses earlier in 17, Jesus describes the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth, the truthful Spirit. Now, what is truth? That's Pilate's famous question, isn't it? And in our world, it seems to be a very pertinent one. Truth often seems up for grabs right now, or less important than power or policy. But my brothers and sisters, we worship the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth cannot be up for grabs for us. Truth is what lines up with what is real. What lines up with who God is and the way he's at work in the world. That's the very thing Jesus revealed in his words and deeds in his time on earth. And it's the very thing the spirit continues to do in our midst even now, lining us up with the truth. We're to be a people who proclaim the truth. If I'm not a pure truth, what am I doing? Our words and our deeds are to align with what God's doing in the world. The language we use is to illuminate truth and not obscure it. We're those who are always seeking truth in the power of the Spirit. We're to be a people who don't just talk a good talk, but who live the truth. Because truth isn't just something that you believe and hear. Truth is something that you do. This is part of what's behind Jesus' words. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. If we proclaim Christ with our words, but not our lives, we deceive ourselves. Season in which we're waiting for truth. And it's coming. What will we do with it when it's here? There's an analogy that has come to mind for me in this season, which is um, being in the waiting room of a hospital. After a loved one has been having a surgery where they're trying to figure out, oh, there's been an emergency. What's going on? We don't know what, what it is. We're waiting for an answer to the question, how bad is it? Maybe it's benign. Is it cancer? Has it spread? We're waiting. What comes next for us in our community will depend on the diagnosis. We need the truth so we know how to walk in light of it. If we don't walk in the light of the truth, we'll end up living a lie, and that will work against God's work in our midst. Lisa Sharon Harper writes this in her wonderful book, Fortune. Lies break and block peace from entering the world. They sow confusion and obstruct the reign of God, which is characterized by shalom. At the heart of shalom is truth. Truth Truth-telling and integrity are basic requirements for relationships. Without truth, trust is broken. Without trust, relationships are broken. If we truly want healing for our community, and we do, I do, I know you do, we must seek, tell, And live the truth because it is the truth that will set us free season let's keep asking ourselves the question is it true both is it real and is it like Jesus I don't know if people actually do this but I've seen it in the movies where they get a coin and you bite it to see if it's real that's the analogy that comes to mind for me bite the coin is it the good stuff or not If it's true, it will look and feel and sound like Jesus. No matter what is to come, whether it's the whole range of of options I can imagine, whatever is to come, the Holy Spirit will show up and lead us into the truth and show us how to walk in it. We can expect his truth for sure. Second, we can expect the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of, of presence. Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. That's walking in the truth. And my Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with them. Just a few verses earlier, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another advocate, to be with you unto the ages Jesus goes, he asks the Father, the Father sends the Holy Spirit, why? To be with us. Jesus goes, but he doesn't leave us alone. He sends the Holy Spirit to be with us forever. What a gift. Whatever we're walking into in this next season, we do not walk into it alone. Jesus walks with us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our paraclete. That's that strange word that's so hard to translate. An advocate, someone who intercedes for us when we need it. A guide, someone who knows the will of the Father and can point us towards that, because the will of the Father is where true unity comes from. A friend, someone who's working always for our good, but who also will tell us when we're not getting it right. An encourager, someone who strengthens and lifts us up when we feel faint. An illuminator. Scott told me that's the word he's using in his new translation for paraclete, illuminator, who scatters the darkness from before our path. What does it mean for us, the presence of the Spirit with us in whatever is to come? Well, it means provision. Provision of all the things we'll need and even the ones we can't yet imagine. I had a chance this week to look at this passage in the Africa Study Bible, which Chelsea gave me. I guess she had an extra copy or had received it as a gift. Thank you, Chelsea. And the Africa Study Bible has a little section in it where it um, connects the scripture with a proverb, an African proverb. And I appreciated what it had to say about this section there. In some rural areas in Africa, meals are cooked over a wood fire and dished out of a common pot and the women in the household take turns preparing the meals. Some children get extra, and some not enough, depending on the woman who's cooking. But a proverb says, a child whose mother is cooking will not have to eat his food without soup or sauce. Our Heavenly Father is doing our cooking, and we will be well taken care of in this next season. In your presence is fullness of joy, Remember the resurrection. We are not alone. We're not abandoned or orphaned. We don't know what we're facing, but God does. As we move into the season to come, let's continue to ask, Lord, where are you in this? And he will answer. Jesus is present with us in the power of the resurrection through the Holy Spirit. We can expect his presence for sure. And third, we can expect the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of peace. As I said, Jesus is always telling his disciples in this section, don't be afraid, don't let your hearts be troubled, as the message puts it, don't be distraught. Ha! That's easier said than done, Jesus. How would you like it if the Savior of the world showed up, turned your life upside down, showed you the kingdom of God, then left you and went off to be crucified? I think we've earned a little distraught, yes? The disciples had very real and understandable fear and confusion, and so do we. The whole range of things I know we've felt in the midst of this season is totally normal. That's normal. Anxiety about the next season, anger, all normal. In the middle of the disciples feeling that whole range of things, Jesus speaks peace. Now, it could sound a little naive if we're not paying attention, but it isn't just any old peace, not just a peace off the street. Jesus says, my peace I give you, the very peace of Christ himself, Christ who walked to the cross in peace, Christ who made no peace with oppression, Christ who was deeply in touch with the suffering and anxieties of the world without being overcome or overwhelmed by them. The peace Christ gives is not a peace that ignores our deep fears and pains, but that transcends them. The peace that Christ gives is not a cheap peace. It is peace at the cost of the cross. This is a peace with its feet solidly on the ground and its head lifted high because it's filled with the presence of the risen Christ and the power of the Spirit. As one commentator puts it, the peace that Jesus gives is nothing less than the consequence of the presence of God. When God is present, peace is made manifest. The Lord is with us. We can know his peace. The peace of Christ is not just peace in here, nor the absence of trouble out there, but shalom, as we've already talked about right relationships through and through. Imagine that as we had to do recently, you call in a plumber to your house one day for a slow drain. Plumber takes a look, tries to work out the drain and says, eh, I think the problem is lower down. So he goes to the next drain, tries it out. Eh, I think the, the problem is lower down. We had this happen and we ended up having to go down into the basement for rotting. That's how far down the, the trouble was. We also have realized our plumbing system has been put together completely wrong, and we will have to deal with that at some point. We can unclog the one drain, maybe, good enough, and that might feel peaceful, but in our house, that's not quite shalom. We don't know what's needed for there to be restored shalom here at Redeemer. We don't. It could be a quick repair, it could be a renovation. I don't know. But we know that peace, that real peace, sometimes takes work. Peace must be made as well as received, and the Spirit will do that in our midst. The Spirit will be at work giving and making peace in the season that is to come. We can expect his peace for sure. Truth, presence, peace. These are good gifts we can expect the Spirit to give us in the weeks to come. And even now. Good gifts we can ask for and count on. I've given you a couple of questions along the way to point us toward the first two. Is it true? Biting the coin. And Lord, where are you in this? So what question can point us in the direction of peace? Not just feeling better. I want to feel better. Don't get me wrong. But shalom. I think that question, and one I want to ask, and I want us to ask and ask and ask in the next few weeks, is this. What does love require? What does love for God require here? That love that takes the shape of total trust and loyalty and commitment to Him, even when it costs us something. What does love for neighbor require here? All our neighbors. That love that takes the shape of trust, oops, that's the wrong line, takes the shape of choosing to be for the good of others, being for the good of others, even if it costs me something. And what does love for ourselves require here? Perhaps that love means committing to taking care of our bodies and our hearts when it gets to be too much, or even just keeping tabs on how we're doing and choosing to manage our emotions in a healthy way. And we will have emotions no matter what. I guarantee it. From where we stand today, it wouldn't surprise me if, as we think about what's to come, what we feel underneath might be fear. Maybe you don't. That's okay. Don't start now. (laughs) But fear is very normal when we don't know what's to come. But fear can crowd out love. Fear can keep us from even asking the question, what does love require? So I want us to just take a minute Take stock. If you're feeling tense, roll your shoulders. Let's be honest with ourselves. What do you fear as you think about this report coming out? Do you fear? What do you feel? Is there something you're afraid of losing? Is there something you're afraid will be true? Just be honest, that's all, with yourself first and to the Lord. And as you think about those areas of fear, of struggle, just hear Jesus ask you this question. Are you willing to follow me even if it means that? The things we fear losing are the things we love the most. God's invitation to me and to all of us in this season is an invitation to deeper love beyond what we fear. Today's collect is a powerful one. O God, you've prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love towards you, that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises which exceed all that we can desire through Christ our Lord. We can love beyond our fear because we know that we worship the risen Lord, a God of abundance, who has better things for us than we can ask or imagine. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We do not know what is to come, but God does. As we are faithful to seek and to do what love requires, the Holy Spirit will show up. He will. He's here. With his gift of truth, presence, and peace. For sure. May it be so in our midst, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.